set. All right, welcome to uh, From Red to Black, a Homicide Life on the Street podcast. This is Joe. This is Daniel. And this week's episode is uh, Three Men and Adina. Joe, it originally aired on March 3rd, 1993 on NBC. It was written by Tom Fontana, <clears throat> directed by Martin Campbell. Um, very notably, it's the only episode of Homicide, you think of all the great episodes, to win an Emmy for Outstanding Writing. Um, brief synopsis, and boy, we'll talk about this show in a second, this episode. Um, Pendleton and Bayless have 12 hours to grill their prime suspect in the Adina Watson case before they must let him go. That's it. Yes, this is a 12 a st- uh, episode that takes place over 12 hours that they cram into 40-some minutes. Yep. And, uh, man, they really do a great job of making it feel like you're there for the full 12. Um, you know, they, we're looking really just at one storyline in this episode. There's a couple of neat things happening throughout it. But unlike um, sort of like the quick scenes with an ensemble cast that we've seen from Homicide so far, this one really stays with just one storyline throughout. That's kind of... It feels like you're getting to the end of the Adina Watson story. I, I, I would agree, and it is. It's a very, very different episode. You and I have already speculated it might be difficult to fill up 45 minutes to an hour talking about it, but we're not going to worry about that. Whatever happens, happens. Right, right. We'll get as far as we get, and that's fine. Um, but, you know, to the point that you brought up, like, an amazing episode of this show, uh, the way that it's... It's written, it twists and turns so much that, I mean, they were able to fill up an entire episode of their show and make it, you know, one of the most spellbinding episodes of the show so far. Agree. Um, and even though uh, people have voted this as one of the quote-unquote best episodes, I, I submit to you that it might be, but it's not an episode that I particularly like. Right, yeah. Which is different <laughs> than being a very good episode, right. I guess. Yeah, well, this episode is grueling. Like, yeah, this is, is, like, tough to get through. Um, and also, again, you know, if you... I always try to think of this show in terms of... Um, if I was someone watching at the time, like, this would be... If this was the first time that you had ever seen this show, like, you would have no conception of what this show was about. You know? Agree. And it would seem really, yeah. really rough. I bru- I, that's, a, that's, that's, that's a good point. I feel like a, brutal is a word that I use to describe this show a lot. And it is, but there is this, like, punctuated levity throughout uh, that, like, I think really reflects on the the writing of the show so well, their ability to kind of, like, tastefully manage those things so that you do get these terrible, horrific storylines, but then also these really incredible jokes. Um, you know, this one still has that to a degree, surprisingly, but to a much less degree. Yeah, I, 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 I would agree. You know, it starts off, you can see that Tim is confident. He's prepared the room, which we'll go into later. I mean, things are set up a certain way with the evidence. Um, he he is confident. He tells G, I'm confident. Yeah, and everybody is like, like it has like a, a real like game day feel in the beginning. Like everyone's helping him out. They're giving him evidence that they got together for him. Uh, you know, Kay's handing him stuff. Crossetti's handing him stuff. And it's, Team effort. Yeah, it's almost like everyone's like, come on, man. Like, this is it. This is the day. Um, and I wonder, too, like, if this the feeling amongst the team at that point isn't like, 
this is done. You know what I mean? Not not even so like if there's even a fear of this not happening because of all everything that's happened so far. Like they know someone has to be the killer. They've exhausted so many angles from this mm-hmm. that like you know even in the spirit of Frank Pelton going and knocking on Tim's door in the previous episode and telling him that he's got the information on the Araber. Um, like, you feel like this is it, you know? Yeah. I mean, obviously, they know it's their last chance. And again, you're, you're with them. You want them to win. And it's funny, in the beginning, um, Frank is being so different with the suspect. Right. With the Araber. He's like kind of friendly... He's making small talk. And what does Tim do the whole time? Just immediately goes right to Adina, uh, going to talking about the case and go at, like, shooting for the confession. And it's funny, because we watched the whole episode. At first, I thought they didn't know what they were doing. And I'm thinking, Tim's going to get really mad at Frank, because Frank is not going along with Tim. But it was obviously... They thought about it, and this was their strategy. Okay. But you, that's that's what I got out yeah. of it. In the beginning, I'm like, Tim's going to explode in a few seconds, but he doesn't because they've agreed. We don't see that, but they've agreed before they went in, this is how it's going to go down. All right, good. That was going to be one of my questions was to see how much of this is strategy versus how much of this is kind of in the room. I, I, I thought, I wrote down, it was, it was a well-choreographed dance between mm. Frank and Tim. Yeah. They had it down to a science. As soon as one would stop, the other one would come back in. Yeah. You know, do you go to church? Did you kill Ladina? It was like, boom, boom, like a tennis match. And are, and are you saying that that choreo- choreography, choreography <laughs> carries through till the entire episode, or do you think they fall off the page? I point? think they fall off the page yeah. as they get exhausted. Right. But in the beginning... They had a plan, and they stuck to it. Yeah, because I'm kind of surprised, even at this point, that Tim is talking as much as he is in the beginning. Because my instinct, from what I've seen so far, would be let Frank do Frank. Let him do the thing that he does with people in the box. Uh, And And, and really, they don't do that. It's more Tim is being the Frank-type interrogator. And it's almost like their roles... I didn't think of his time. Their roles are like... Reverse, right. in a way. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of follows the trend that we've been seeing, where like, like uh, Pemberton is kind of like kowtowing down a bit to Tim, uh, and he's already you know shown that a little bit, and maybe coming back down to earth a little bit in his relationship with you know, the, and coming to terms with the idea of having Tim as his partner. Um, but yeah, that's interesting. So I was because I was trying to think, and it makes sense. It makes total sense that they would have planned that part out. Right, um, they 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 didn't go into it saying, "Okay, here we go." This right. was carefully thought of how they were going to do it, what the approach was going to be. Yeah, they had a plan. Right. Um, yeah. So they bring up the uh, previous conversation that we'd seen on the show, which was the argument between it was Meldrick Lewis and Frank about Araber versus Arab, or was it a- someone else? A- 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 I forget who it was. Yeah. yeah. But uh, they were talking about the different name for it. And I thought it was funny how uh, in the line of questioning in the beginning, and this really is no, nothing more than like a weird observation, uh, when the Araber says uh, that he's lived in that, that address his entire life, and then when he's explaining his occupation, he says, we're like nomads. 
Like, within, like, a minute of each yeah. other, he says those two things. And I thought it was, like, that kind of seems, like, con- conflicting, like, or he, you know, uh, and, and I wondered if, if I'm not reading too much into that, but is he beginning to lie even in the beginning of the conversation? It's possible. Maybe he just thinks in the sense that he doesn't go to the same place every day to right. do his job. Yeah. He wanders around the neighborhood selling its vegetables and fruits. Maybe nomads do have a home that they go to at the yeah, end of the day. Yeah, maybe they eventually. do. Um, but yeah, so, uh, so yeah, that's kind of the microscopic intensity I was applying to the dialogue. I think so, Jim. Because there's really not too much more to go on here. No, I mean, you're no. kind of just in that, in that room. Um, so yeah, so they go through, they cover a lot of topics up front. Um, they're, uh, having the conversation about the argument they had about Araber. Uh, then they talk about his dating life. They talk about his bouts of alcoholism. Uh, they talk about his religion and then they talk a lot about his relationship specifically with Adina. And it just kind of like ping-pongs back and forth between all of those things. Um, at least in the in the first half. Um, what other sort of observations, I guess, did you have from from the beginning there? Well, you know, they, they dropped the bomb on him about the soot on the skirt to try to rattle him. Uh he was obviously a lot more rattled in the beginning, and we'll talk about there's a definite change right. in the room near the end. So they're trying to rattle him. Then they give him the polygraph test, and that was a great scene where Tim just like screams at everyone in the office. Yeah. Hurry up, I need a polygraph test. I want it right now. <laughs> and and you you know, we all know it's not admissible. Um and what good is it? But I guess they just feel, why not do a polygraph test? Yeah, I mean, I guess for their mind, it makes, like, it gives them more of an angle. It gives them more of an argument to come in. And maybe chips away a little bit more. Could, um, it could. But yeah, I mean, and even he knows that, right? The Araber knows, like, you can't use this. He mentions it later court. on. Even yeah. you can't use it. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a slight change. So they've been doing this well-choreographed dance, and then all of a sudden, Frank and Tim start to argue right about you know it's almost like in front of him like why aren't you you're you're subterfuging where i'm going and i still think that was all choreographed for the benefit of the suspect i still think i don't know what you feel yeah and then there's the great scene where um tim spits in his food yeah which is just so Intense. Yeah, right. That whole scene is crazy. Yeah, that, and then also with him trying to push his face up against the hot, the hot pipe. pipe. That yeah. was just, and I almost felt that if Frank didn't stop him, he would have done it. Oh yeah, he sure. was that crazy at that point, right. angry. Yeah, it's it's so. Um, so one of the things that I understand, I guess now from the box, or at least the way that the box is written on this show, what they're really trying to do is just trigger any kind of like. A strange emotional response from him. So when you look at even the topics that they talk about, like they're all emotional things. And I guess that's the beginning of getting someone to like just start blabbering about stuff. And again, yeah, I it's a good observation. I think they're looking like you're saying for a crack, a chink in the armor. Right. And Is he, it going to be about relationships? Is it going to be about religion? What what is the one thing they can say where they'll get him upset? Yeah, and really nothing works yeah. for the most part. 
And what was the thing that he they said like in the first episode is uh, a guilty man sleeps in the box or something? Yeah. And then they like define the, that and, immediately. And, right. And the, a guilty man uh, is awake in the is box. Awake it's in... it's whatever happened. Yeah. Everything that happens is either he's guilty or innocent. Right? Yeah. Because I, I was trying to think back too, like the other experiences that we've seen so far from the box. You know, like how that would be kind of played out, or how we, that would be kind of uh, inform what we were seeing in this episode. And uh, and not really so much for a lot of different reasons. I mean, one, this is, you know, this case has been under the microscope for for us the entire viewing experience. We also know that Tim is like supercharged about this. Like, I mean, his life hinges on this case now. Um, and then uh, we also know that Frank now is kind of like I won't say compromised, but maybe he's a little bit softer than he might have been before because of this relationship now that he has with Tim. Maybe up is down a little bit. Things are kind of di- you know different for him. I, and again, we'll talk about that later. But yeah, Frank's relationship with Tim has turned a corner. Yeah, and we'll talk about it. There's a few things he does and says near the end of the episode, but you can see it already that they're acting more like partners. Yeah. Again, the fact that they had a dance choreographed in the beginning, that little fight was choreographed. So everything up to this point, they are partners now. Yeah. They are not, I'm going to do it my way, you're going to do it your way. They want to nail this guy. Right. And not only that they planned ahead, but they planned ahead with a, like a pretty plan. Right? Like it looks good. They sold it well. Like they're, they're operating as a team too. Um, so, so, I, so, so right after <clears throat> the pipe scene, Tim has to leave the room because he's like ready to explode and he's yeah. washing his face and finally, we get some comic relief oh, yeah, with Crosetti right. and um, uh, Meldrick. Yeah, if you want to talk about that, but yeah, that's, go ahead. I, that is like funny. one of the. It's one of the tightest jokes uh, I've ever <laughs> seen anywhere on any television show. I think about this all the time. It is so funny. But the uh, so they're talking about the uh, the Lincoln case, of course, and it really just kind of seems like this is almost like like uh, as like screenplay fodder, like just to... Throw away. Yeah, right, just to kind of introduce these characters again. But um, uh, then they both go into the uh, side-by-side bathroom stalls, and uh, Crosetti asks Meldrick if he has toilet paper. And, and the answer's no. No. So then he says, do you have five ones for a five-dollar <laughs> bill? What a funny joke. Like, you obviously know what he's going to do there. Um, but that sort of, like... That that a joke that tight is thrown in an episode that is this intense, I think kind of like speaks to like you know uh, what this show does so well, which kind of blends humor and you know the, this darkness. Agree, um, which we've said a million times already. Right, and that's it. The scene cuts, and now Frank is alone. Right, with the Araber. Yeah, and that's where we see. Uh, I, I feel like for the first time this episode, we see Frank kind of like do what Frank does. Uh, he he kind of rather than taking this more like aggressive tack that they had been taking, and rather than asking uh, questions that are kind of like you know have like a yes or no answer, he almost starts asking like these like weird um, metaphysical questions. He's asking him about his life, and he's asking him why he behaves the way that he does, and almost tries to pit. Uh, like the relationships that the Araber has had in his life against the Araber and Frank. Yeah, it's 
it's a total, totally different than what they've tried. And I wrote down that Frank is very calm. He reveals the personal details. I spoke to your fiance. He's really getting inside of what makes the Araber tick. And I think he does it because then he starts to say, he, he gets... He gets so warm with the air, it's like, trust me, he, his voice changes. And he says, I'm not going to write this down. You know, I'm not going to be a detective. I just want to know what's going on. Look at me as your friend. Right. And it's a different homicide detective's tactic to try to get in his head. And I think it's working because I see the Araber's demeanor. They've tried the kind of hard questioning hasn't moved him. And I really, I'm thinking he's going to crack. Frank right. is starting to gain his trust. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess, you know, he's, he's sort of, he, like I said, like he's, he's looking for any kind of like emotional pull that he can get from him. And so he's kind of taking it like really dark, strange places that, um, you know, I guess are, are really, like you said, like they're, they're affecting the Araber, like he's being very affected by this, and at this point, yeah, like, like even as a viewer, I'm not in the scene, but I'm thinking, like, what does the Araber have to lose than to just, you know, in this moment, like, give in, you know, to all of this? And, and it's funny, Frank physically gets close to him, emotionally gets close to him, speaking softly, and then Frank has a scenario, like. This is maybe what happened. She came in, you know. She sat down next to you, um, and we. And it's it's very sympathetic. I know what you needed. You needed love. You needed compassion, affection, warmth. Like giving him excuses as to why he might do something to her if that's not what he gets. Like I understand. Right. I'm a human being. It's okay. I, I know what happened. And Frank is very good. And you're kind of nodding your head with this scenario going, yeah, that, that's right. kind of what happened, right? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's so much less um, aggressive than what they were trying to do before. Um, and, I, you know, you can also imagine, too, at this point, they're, you know, what, eight hours into this? So, like, they're being worn out physically that, like, it makes sense that emotionally they would be and, and, and Frank says stuff like, I want to help you. Tell me. Again, it's a different approach. I'm your friend. You know, I'm not a homicide detective. I painted a scenario where it's okay after she rejected you for her to kill her. Just, but just level with me, brother. Yeah. And the Araber just, you think for a second, I did when I first saw it, he's gonna crack. And he says, I didn't do anything to the girl. And I don't know about you, I was like so disappointed because I'm thinking, man, Frank almost had him in right. a way. Right. But yeah. maybe he didn't. Maybe that's what I wanted to see. Yeah, right. And that's, I think, like you are emotionally invested enough in this show at that point that you're you want to see the closure. You want these two things. They're getting so close that it's just like, all right, I want to see this, you know, the other foot drop, and it never does. Um, yeah, so that um, so that point uh, in the episode, 
is that's right before the Araber kind of turns the tables on them a bit. Right. Well, before before that happens, though, mm. they bring out the results of the polygraph. All uh, right. They call him a liar. Um, they they double now they go back to double teaming him. But I did not think this was a dance. And for the first time, Frank yells at the Araber. Right. Um, he, 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 like, he loses his cool, and he goes into that you cry, you die thing. Right. And that's when he pulls the sheet, which is the map of the neighborhood, off to reveal the kind of the death photos oh, of Adina. Yeah. Oh, man. And that's a real powerful scene. Yeah. And again, you know that that was all planned. They right. didn't know when, but obviously... At some Those point, pictures they knew, but at some point they're going to rip that off to try to stun him. Yeah, and that was when Frank yelled. I mean, that was to me is very emotional part of it because Frank has been pretty cool, but I, you know, looking back on it now, I think Frank yells because Frank is frustrated. He's tried all the tools in this toolkit; they haven't worked. Frank is very successful, and he hasn't gotten anywhere. Right, yeah. So so right after that, they cut to a scene, and they are exhausted, all three of them. But the detectives have reached a, a low. Yeah. And you and so to that point, like, they're running out of tricks, too. So, like, they've, they know they had those pictures there. They know they have the lie detector test to fall back on. They know they have the, uh, the soot. Uh, test that on came back. Skirt, right, he knows he right. got the information about the uh, the former fiance to bring up, and, and they know there's inconsistencies as to when he saw her. There's at least there's three or four things that don't make sense, right? But not enough to get traction, really. Yeah. What and, would you say is the, like the most damning evidence here, out of all that's been presented so I, far? I, I think the fact that she had soot, the soot on her skirt. Yeah. See, that's that's what like is really tough. To kind of understand is like, and like so, I might also be misunderstanding what the the point is. But when Tim shows him the research and that sheet with the lines on it, it means that that soot came from his barn, right? That it was there was because there's been other fires in the neighborhood, right. so he could just say, "Hey, she would." No, they can tie the soot to his barn, ergo. She was in his barn after it burned down. But what I was going to say was that it looks like the lines don't match. <laughs> like it looks like like looking on the graph that he's showing. If I'm if I'm reading it the way that he's kind of explaining it, it doesn't look like those lines match up. And I wonder if that isn't a case of just of, what detectives do, which is doing why. what they have to. Yeah, you know, like do like just saying like look at this chart, look at the chart, the chart's right there. Well, the chart is impressive, <laughs> but and maybe, it doesn't mean anything, especially if it if it doesn't. Totally line up. Uh, go back, listeners. Go back and watch that. See if you can kind of like discern where the that's actually like damning evidence rather than evidence in general. And then you're right, Joe. What you said before. Now there's a turn in the episode. Yeah. And clearly the Araber turns the tables on an exhausted Frank first and then Tim. And it's funny. What I got out of it with... Um, his his thing with Frank is is that you're like an Uncle Tom, 
you you're ashamed to be black, right? Um, or you've lost sight of what it means. What it means to be, to be black. black. And right. here I was, you know, racially profiled at a restaurant. They wouldn't let me sit. And what's funny is not funny, but telling. I don't know if Frank is too tired to respond. Or it's too close to the truth. Or if he's affected, yeah. But guess what? He doesn't say a damn thing. Yeah, he just he leaves, just takes right? it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That is that is really uh, really strange. And I, and to that too, like it almost seemed like that was, um, not a confession on the behalf of the Araber, but it was him reconnecting with a painful memory of his of his that I almost like wondered if if it wasn't like, all right. If he didn't do it, but he has been coaxed into revealing a dark, you know, something from the past. And that's what comes out is this, you know, I'm sure there must have been some kind of charges pressed against him if he fought against the guy that had this restaurant or whatever. You know, and then the deterioration of his relationship because of alcoholism. Like, it seems like he is digging up a painful memory for him and kind of, you know, expunging that from his memory. Uh, in the room, and I wonder if that isn't the confession that they get from him, rather right, than... Right, that, that could be it. And then what he does is, he turns on Tim, right, and he questions his background, tries to get into his head, and you can see the Araber is now confident. He, he is the one who has turned the tables, and he is now in control. And at that point, I realized they were never going to get a confession on the moment that that crazy moment had passed. Right. And it was just like, like the air was being let out of the balloon. It was just like, it's never going to go back in. Yeah. It's funny too, because like (laughs) he does describe Tim so well. And I never realized that about Bayless until he starts saying it. But like, yeah, not too North, not too South. Like, kind of like a, you know, dopey, like whatever. And again, <laughs> any retort? No. None. Takes In fact, it. both of them look, to use a, a homicide, guilty. Right. They both accept it because I think they realize to do anything else, they'd be dishonest. They just, it's like, wow, he's, not that it's horrible what he's saying, but it's like, he's nailed them. Yeah. He gets them. And he's now gotten to their head. Right. Right. And yeah, and got the confession from them. He got them to admit who they are. And then, you know, the Araber does tell a story about Adina. Right. And he closes by saying, I loved her. Yeah. Um, so he, it was very touching in a way, because at, at that point, I'm almost like, maybe he didn't kill her. I don't know. He spoke right. in such a gentle way. Yeah. And it, it affected me. I'm just like now now I don't know. And they don't they don't jump on this on that story. They don't say yeah, but they they just accept it. Right. Yeah, cuz they're they're out of time. They're at their 12 hours. They've been kind of exposed as as for who they are. They've been gotten uh the better better have um probably um yeah, his story. So he tells them that he remembers the day that she came home from the hospital. He's seen her grow through the years and yeah, every day. Yeah, right. And that that you know, like they did have a, a friendship, and that you know he did pay attention to her, and that he knew about her, and you know, like it's it's a yeah, it's to that point when you get to the end of it, you know, like 
the logical conclusion to me is not that he murdered her. It's not that it did that he didn't, but it's not that he did. You know, and like so, what I'm expecting from that story there, even if it's not giving them the cut and dry confession they want, but as a viewer, I want to know. Well, how does this guy you know stand here? And like it does, it, it, it does, really does. It, it it just leads you down a road, and just leaves you there. Right. It doesn't really. It doesn't really tell you what what happened. Right, and I would say that that is like I think it, like a small example of the brilliance of this show, which is that leave this story with so open ended the way that they do, and still have it be satisfying. Like I'm I'm not I'm content. With the fact that I don't know who Dina Watson's killer is, which I don't know how a television show could possibly do that. And you know, I'm sure NBC hated sure. this episode because yeah, right. they kept telling them they wanted things to be solved. Right. They kind of wanted more happy endings, yes. more beautiful people. And 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 why is it a great show? Because they just said to NBC, "Hey, up yours. We're gonna do it the way we want to do it." And like you said. We are not going to give the viewers something all tied up in a bow. Yeah, right. We don't know who killed her, just like in real life, because this is based, as we've said before, on David Simon's book, and I'm in the middle of reading it, by the way, and the same thing happens in that case. It's a young girl, murdered, they bring the guy in the box for a long session, and they just can't close the case. Yeah. So that's how real life is. Right, yeah. Just, uh, like, unbelievable. Uh, Yeah, you're right, that they wouldn't, you know... Like, from a... Who wants to see a show where crimes don't get solved? You know, like... Where crime pays. Yeah, Where the guilty don't get punished. Yeah. Well, then, you know, then it's like... The doors are opened. It's obviously the end of the shift. Everyone's going home. Um, They're going to get a car to pick them up. Um, and Frank, and this is where we see the change in Frank, because right. he goes to Gene, he's like, gee, talk, talk to Tim, talk to Bayless. Which you know, Gene has done so right. far. We've seen it almost every but it's, episode. It's, but it's almost like, now that it's, it's over, and you're going to give him a new case, talk to the kid. Help him feel better. And what, is, um, what does G do, though? He turns the tables on Frank. It says, you talk to him. He's your partner. He said, accept, accept him it. as yeah. your partner, Frank. Right. And you know what? Frank say, which he's done long at this point, he doesn't say, no, I don't want a partner. He's an idiot. He's stupid. He's green. Right. He doesn't say anything. And my hat's off to G for understanding that it was better for Frank to talk to him than G. Right. You know, that that to me shows the leadership of G. He sees how things have changed, so he's going to coach Frank, you go and talk to him, because it's going to mean more from you than from me, because he, he respects you, Frank. Right. Yeah, and I've talked to him already. Right, how and, many times? And he needs to, res- and he needs to rely on. He needs to trust you, especially if you guys are going to be partners now. So go and do this because, like, at that point, someone has to say something to Tim. So and, yeah, and now Tim, who was confident in the beginning, makes a comment that he doesn't even know if the Arab did it. Right, and 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 Frank is complimenting him. 
your instincts were right. He actually says, I think, I was wrong. Right. Which Frank Pamilton... Yeah, does not... Does not, <laughs> does say. not say that. But he says, you write, Tim. Yeah. And I feel bad because I don't think it was getting through the Tim. Because Tim is so despondent. Yeah. Yeah, well, I also... I feel like, uh, like that point, he's... Uh, Tim has taken Frank's position from before. Like, they flip-flopped, right? Because, like, before, Frank was unsure, Tim was certain. Now, Frank is sure, Tim is uncertain. That's a good point. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so they're, they've changed. Uh, they've gone from one side to the other side. And I don't know if you've caught this, that Frank says, a bunch of us are going to breakfast. Do you want to come? Now, we know Frank never goes to the bar. Great point. But what does this imply? Frank, not, I'm not saying Frank hey! went to breakfast. Hello. Dot is a guest in the episode. O, we here. have our, our one-year-old Odette who's commenting on the... Um, <laughs> and she clearly is very upset at the uh, end of the episode. Yeah, she wants to go to the waterfall. She wants closure. But yeah, that's a great point. So that not only is he... Is he be doing the the partner the right partner thing to do by inviting Tim to come, but he is going to go out to breakfast with everyone else. And, which and he we never know goes. he he never goes anywhere. And and I was going to say I'll bet he doesn't go to breakfast. Yeah, that he was only going to go if Tim if went. Tim went right. But that is a big moment. And then he helps Tim move the case files, and that is the first time that Tim doesn't object right and frank actually helps him even though it's physical it's the first time that they're working together, together right as a team yeah it's a really with, it's a really big moment yeah yeah it is um so let me ask you this who do you think the araber killed adina watson i do really only because they have no other suspect. It's logical. It's it. logical. Someone had to kill her. Um, he's strong. He's he's tough. Um, but you know what? Just like in real life, we'll we'll never. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, I don't think he did. I no. don't. I don't think he killed her. And I I feel like uh, there are moments there where again, like it's really the only logical conclusion is that he did. And that the only logical conclusion for the episode is for him to admit to it finally, and he never does. Um, but yeah, I, I think that his inability to confess is grounded in reality, and I think I think that's the one thing I'll give credit to the Arab for. You know, he's not like a, a, a crazy person; like he's very grounded in reality. Yeah, he no, understands. I, I agree. You know, the world and what's happening around him. Um, but yeah, he never. Uh, Never confesses, and I think that's I think that's true. We'll never know. Yeah, but a definitely a powerful episode, a different episode. You know, these episodes are called bottle episodes, where usually it's near the end of a season when you're over budget. Show will do an episode where they don't have one set, so they can keep the expenses to a minimum. But I told, I said, I don't think that was the case. I think it was time to do the episode and they did it but yeah. yeah this episode cost them in terms of 
multiple yeah, sets. Eight dollars for right. the food it, that it they was, ate. It was <laughs> very again powerful episode for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I think also like uh, Bo Felton we see a couple times does not say a word in this episode. Uh, Bo Lander not, not, can not be seen in any it. anywhere at all in the episode. Um, so this was yeah, this was definitely like a. Uh, uh, logistically simpler episode than any of the other ones we've seen in terms of the shots, like the number of uh, uh, scenes in this episode. They're a lot longer, a lot more, you know, conversational. And I really appreciated the um, camera work, the handheld camera. I mean, the way they just swung around. Yeah. And by the way, another interesting thing is when they first started to interrogate him, they had on their suits, their jackets, and by the end their jackets are off, the ties are loosened. It's like it was a hard day at the office. Yeah. Yeah. Such attention to detail in that like you really do get a sense that they've been there for twelve hours. You know, like Definitely. It, it never when they leave, sure. Yeah, you're 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 tired as well. Yeah. And two like or three amazing performances in terms of acting. Like that Arabur, like he was amazing. He was so so good and so convincing in his role. Excellent. There can't be an MVP, in yeah. my opinion, because they were all brilliant. If anything, the Arabur was just brilliant in that role. Yeah, really it's, brilliant. It's funny, like you sometimes see those shows where they'll get a guest actor come in, and you'll be like, "Wow, why can't they just be in the cast?" I mean, you could never bring him back to do anything else other than that character. <laughs> right. But I, he was so good, so uh, convincing. So. All right. Well, let's yeah. Let's uh, let's tie it up. Dot. What do you say? Um, who's your uh, your winner and loser for this episode? The, the winner's got to be the Araber. Yeah. Because he 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 was just he was brilliant. Um, but again, all three were just awesome. It, yeah. It's a tour de force by the three of them. Yeah. I'm gonna. Oh, and who's your loser then? Oh, so tough. You can't say Frank and Tim. The, you know, in a way, the Araber is the loser, too, because there's some ways that he is despicable. But, again, hard for me to say. Yeah. I So, I it's tough. This is a tough episode to pick. <laughs> um, I would say... Uh, hang on, that's going to make a lot of noise. I'll have to just cut some of that out. Um, my winner is, actually, I'm going to say Tim. Tim Bayless, because he picks up the phone... On the new call at the end of the episode, so even though he's, True. even though he's lost this case, he's not done. He's not out of it. Uh, he's going to keep uh, plugging on and grow from it. So he's going to be my winner, um, and my loser is going to be Bo Felton because he didn't say anything. <laughs> so he was there and had no lines. Hey Joe, as always, we want to tell any listeners, please give us your comments, your thoughts on the show. Yeah, subscribe um, to us. Subscribe. Give us a rating if you feel so inclined. More importantly, spread the word. If you know yeah. other people that you know uh, who and great minds think alike, if they like homicide, tell them, hey, there's a show that talks about homicide. You may not, uh, a podcast, you may not agree with these two guys, yeah. but it just, it'll, it'll make you relive the memories of this great show. Yeah, and it's just cool for us to, to sync up with other people who know this show and talk about it. We love talking about it. So, uh, yeah, drop us a line. Um, our email address is from red to black pod at gmail.com. Uh, reach out, get in touch, and um, I guess we can say we're taking this episode, Three Men and Adina, the only episode to win a outstanding an Emmy for Outstanding, outstanding Writing, outstanding Tom writing. Fontana. We're going to take it from red to black. You got it. <laughs>